Well, if you have your Bibles, grab them quickly. Flip to the gospel according to Luke. We're going to be in chapter 24, and we're going to start in verse 13, and we're going to go clear through verse 33. Now, I know it's a lot of text to get through today, but man, it's all so good, and God's going to reveal his goodness through it this morning. I'm believing that in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So here we go. We're going to, we're going to move quickly today because we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So here we go. Verse 13, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had just happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept for recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Now remember, this is Jesus speaking to them, but their eyes have not recognized him. And he says to them, What things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day. It's it's the day that he had spoke about plenty of times previously to them. About how on the third day he would resurrect from the grave. And they're saying it's on the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying they had seen a vision of angels who said to them, who said to them, he is alive. Some of those who were, were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had, had said, but did not see him. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village. They're ending their walk. And they drew near to the village, which was where they were going. He acted as if he had to go further. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. For it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up to us the scriptures. Did our hearts not burn within us? And they they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you that you did, that you did come up out of the grave that you have rose again. And I pray right now, Lord, 
that our hearts would burn for you, that our hearts would long for you, that we would have a hunger and thirst for righteousness so that you can fill us today. Lord, open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to to hear you. I pray you would reveal yourself to us through the scriptures this morning. Transform us. Transform us, Jesus, into your image and into your likeness. Let our hearts burn for you. Let our hearts burn for your word, burn burn for your worship. Let us burn for you. I pray, Lord, that I would decrease and your spirit would increase so that the word you've given, God would go forth, piercing to the very hearts of every man and woman and child who who is watching today. Jesus, reveal yourself to us. And it's in his name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Good morning, CWC. Man, I hope you guys are all doing good today because this is a day that the Lord has made. So we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. We're going to rejoice and go after him with everything that is within us today. And man, today we are going to jump right into our message. And the title of this message is this, the proofs in the pudding. Come on and say that. Say the proofs in the pudding. Come on, man. Now, listen, if your family originates from West Virginia like mine, you wouldn't say pudding. You would say the proofs in the pudding, right? Because we, we leave letters out and syllables out because we don't find any use for them. And so we just shorten them how we want to. And we say the proofs in the pudding. But today, to be grammatically correct, I will say the proofs in the pudding. Come on and put that in the chat. The proofs in the pudding. It's in the pudding. And so last week was, or actually a couple weeks ago, let me, let me get to where I need to be. A few weeks ago was Easter Sunday. It was Resurrection Sunday. And either way that you want to say it's okay, because they both speak to what Jesus did on that day. But we, we, we walked through a message titled, Jesus is enough. Come on, put that in the chat. Jesus is enough. And then we followed that message up with a message titled, He is, I am. He is I am. And and listen, both messages ring true because the proof's in the pudding. The proof is in his word. The proof is in worship. The proof is in his life. The proof is how he walked and talked. This is the pudding, the proofs. It's in the pudding. See, See, Jesus is enough because he is the redeemer. Jesus is enough because he is the restorer. He is the savior. He is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the comforter. He is the light of the world. He is the good shepherd. See, Jesus is enough because he is the lion and the lamb. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And because he's all that and a bag of chips, he is I am. See the proofs in the pudding. Look out because I'm already preaching. Come on, somebody. We don't need a warm up, baby, because we serve a God who's an all consuming fire. And so we're not going to look for the living amongst the dead. And I'm not going to act dead when I'm walking with the living. This is why I'm yelling. This is why I'm excited about what Jesus has done in me and through me and what he is showing us in this in this text that the proof is in the pudding. Come on, shout. He is living. Shout it in the chat. He is living. The proofs 
in the pudding. See, I came here this morning with an agenda to testify that he is enough, he is the I am, and he is because he's living, and the proof is in the pudding. It's in the pudding. See, one thing that's, that's so very true, right, about human beings is we need proof, right? We, we like proof. That's why when we're in the dating game, right, and we think someone may like us and they show us that by exchanging numbers with us, but that's not enough proof for us. We wait for the other person to call us first, amen, because we like proof, unless you're me and Julie called me in the same day. Come on, somebody. Proof's in the pudding. She put a ring on it. I'm just saying. She put a ring on it. Man, we like proof. We need proof. And so, man, today we're going to walk with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And my hope is, is that we will meet him in a brand new way. That we will see him in a, in a brand new light. And I don't care if you've been saved for three minutes or 65 years. This is a word for us. This is a word for us, and, and I'm believing that new proof is going to emerge from the text in Jesus' name to add to who he is, to speak to who he is. Now, maybe you're tuning in today, and, and you're not saved, and you're not a believer. Well, that's okay, because, man, I've been praying that in Jesus' name, the proof that you need to go from unbeliever to believer will be revealed today by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm believing that many will come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that many will taste and see that he is good as we are walking along on this journey, walking with Jesus to Emmaus. The, the proof is going to be revealed to us in what we're reading. Amen. Come on, if you believe that, put amen in the chat. Put amen. Now, something that I, I do have to, to say really quickly is, is this. Just because we haven't met Jesus yet doesn't mean Jesus hasn't been there all along. Just because we haven't realized the proof doesn't mean that the proof is just now going to show up. Just because we haven't realized that he is working all things together for our good doesn't mean that he just started working. Because even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Because he never stops, he never stops working. Just because we haven't realized someone is here, that someone is there, doesn't mean that that someone just showed up. I'm gonna hit you with another dating analogy really quick. I don't know why I'm on this, but I'm on this today. Amen. It's kind of like this, right? Julie didn't know I existed for the first 25 years of my life. For the first 25 years. But it was the first 30 years of her life because she's older than me. I'm just saying. She's older than me. She did what they say. She robbed the cradle. I'm just saying. But that's not the point. For the first several years, she didn't realize that Prince Charming was coming in to sweep her off her feet. She might describe it as trip her off her feet. But I'm the one telling the story and I got the microphone. So my point is just because we didn't know each other existed didn't mean that each other didn't exist it didn't make either of us any less real see see sometimes we need to see the proof because 
because we like proof. And, and here's the thing, proof is good. See, the Bible says that faith, that faith is the evidence of things hoped for. There's proof behind it. There's proof backing it. Faith is the evidence, the, the proof of things hoped for, the, the substance, the substance of things not yet seen. Proof is, is necessary. It's necessary. And as we, we walk on this journey today, as we walk with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, I'm believing that, that we're going to see proof that he is exactly who he says he is. See, we're going somewhere. Come on, put that in the chat. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Now, what I find to be very interesting about this story is the fact that Jesus has just defeated death by death. Come on. He was just in the grave for three days. And while he was there, in case you don't realize this, but while he was in the grave, he went into Satan's kingdom and deboed the keys from him. Just snatched the keys of death right from the enemy. See, Jesus didn't sneak into hell to steal the keys. He walked right into the enemy's camp and he took back what he stole from us. You see, back in the garden, back in the garden, he stole the keys from us because we sinned. And so we were meant to never die, but because of the sin, now all of a sudden, sin ushered in death and now the enemy had stolen the keys. See, I, I think a lot of times we struggle in this life against the enemy and his schemes because we think Jesus is struggling as well. As if Jesus had to trick the enemy for the victory. But it's just not true. The Bible says he crushed the head of the serpent. See, he was crucified, put in the grave for three days. But while he was in the grave, he wasn't sleeping, he wasn't resting, and he wasn't sneaking. He was walking right into the gates of hell, right into the enemy's kingdom. And he made the enemy go get him the keys of death. See, Satan knows he has no chance against Jesus. And so he ran and got the keys for Jesus and handed them right over. Proving to us, Jesus don't want us scared of death. Doesn't want us scared to death. Doesn't want the grave to be greedy any longer. It proves that he was sick and tired of Satan beating up on us. So he shows up on the enemy's doorstep and he kicks Satan's, you know what, all up and down the gates of hell. Wasn't even a contest. And he took the enemy's most prized possession, which were the keys that imprisoned God's creation. And now, all those that believe in Jesus will have everlasting life and will never taste death. It's an incredible truth. And after Jesus accomplished all of this, after he accomplished everything that I just spoke about, he is now resurrected from the grave. And he, and he decides to go on a walk. He decides to go on a walk. Now, here's the thing we have to realize. One of the underlying things that are, are taking place is see Jesus only has 40 days to prove he is the only son of God. He only, he only has 40 days after he resurrected to prove he is the resurrection and the life, to prove that he has just risen, just like he said he would. He only has 40 days to do it. Only 40 days to prove the proofs in the pudding. And he does this by going and walking. And while he's out walking, some of his followers 
go looking for him in the tomb. And now remember, because we talked about this in our, in our message titled Jesus is Enough on Easter Sunday. How when these ladies showed up looking for him in the tomb, the angel appeared to them and said to them, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Which is the same exact statement that the Lord is speaking to us. Why are you looking for the living? Why are you looking for the living God in a dead place? Why are you looking for the living God in a dead relationship? Why are you looking for the living God in a dead career? Why are you looking for the living? The living God in a dead religion. He's not here. See, he has, he has risen. Come on and shout that in the chat. He has risen. See, Jesus is, is alive. So he is enough in the proofs in the pudding. See, we don't, we don't need to add anything to him or subtract anything from him. For us who believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and have confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, the Bible says we are saved. For us who believe he is alive, he is enough. The proof is enough. The proof's enough and in this part of the, of the story that we just read. Jesus has 40 days to prove this, to prove he is exactly who he says he is. And he, and he does this by going on a walk. Jesus is walking to Emmaus. And it's seven miles, our text says that it's seven miles away from Jerusalem. Seven miles away. Away from the, the promised Holy Spirit. See, that's the place Jerusalem is where the Holy Spirit is going to come and wreck the upper room and set the people of God on fire for God. But Jesus is walking away from that place. He's headed, he's headed away from that destination. And we find him walking with two people that we've never heard of, that we've absolutely never heard of. I want you to think about this. Jesus is resurrected. He's only got 40 days, so, the, so this, his time is short. He's only got 40 days to prove he has resurrected, right? And he decides to spend his first moments and his first entire day walking to a place we've never heard of with a people, with two people we've never heard of. Now, I don't, I don't know about any of you. Maybe you're more spiritual than I am. But man, I, I think Jesus didn't, didn't think this through very well. See, I would be telling him, if I was his chief of staff, I'd be like, hey, that's not where you should be going, and that's not who you should be going with, Jesus. You shouldn't be going to an insignificant place with insignificant people. You should be headed towards Jerusalem. You should be hitting up all the famous people in the land because we only got a short time, and you got to get the word out. You only got 40 days, Jesus, to prove that the proof's in the pudding. So why are you walking in the wrong direction with the, with the wrong people, with the people with zero platform, with no platform at all? I'd be telling him we should be headed towards the city and grabbing us a, a racing camel. Now, I'm not sure that that exists, but, but I'd be telling him because you've resurrected yourself from the grave, I'm sure you could create a fast camel. I'm just saying. So let's not be walking, let's be riding on a camel. Let's not head away from the city, let's head towards the city. Man, let's not, let's not go there with, with people who are unknown. Let's find the greatest people in the land 
because we only got 40 days. It's a, it's a very short time. We don't have time to walk in the opposite direction. Jesus, these are the things that I would be telling him. If I was the head of his PR team, I would be telling him, man, let's, let's go live with this. Let's, let's hit social media. Let's, let's do YouTube. Let's, let's do all these things. Matter of fact, why don't we tweet Kanye and tweet Bieber because he has believers and we can, we can get all this word out that you are the resurrected king. Let's get to the most prominent places with the most prominent people because that makes sense to me as a human. But see, the life that Jesus led while walking on this earth proves that's not what he would be doing. <laughs> Jesus loved to take the road less traveled and meet with people that no one else wanted to to meet with. I want you to, to think, about, think about the 12 disciples. These are uneducated men, uneducated men. And he found them in places that no one else would be looking to find people full of potential. I mean, he looks in a tax collector's booth. Who looks there? He looks in a fisherman's village. Come on, that's not, that's not right, Jesus. We should be headed to the city of angels, to NYC. That's, that's where we should be headed and talking to the the most prominent in the land, but that's, that's just not Jesus. Jesus does things differently. He does them differently. I'm reminded of the time when they are baptizing all these people in, in Judea. Hundreds of people coming from all around to see them, to be touched by them, to be close to them. They're baptizing them, and Jesus decides he wants to go back to Galilee. He was just there. Why do you want to go back, Jesus? He, he, was just, he was just there. And he wants to get to Galilee by going through Samaria, which is the wrong road to take, by the way. It's not the most direct route. He wants to go the long way. That doesn't make sense, Jesus. But see, Jesus had an appointment with a woman at the well. He's going to an insignificant place to meet with an insignificant person. Matter of fact, this woman he's about to go meet with, everyone else would stay completely away from her because she had a really bad past and a really bad present. But see, Jesus says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. See, Jesus wasn't concerned about the woman's past or her present. He was concerned about her future and where he was taking her. Jesus taking the road less traveled to insignificant places, to what we would deem as insignificant people because this is who he is. And the proof, the proof is in, in the pudding. It's in, his, it's in his life. And do you know why Jesus went to the places no one else would go to meet with people no one else would meet with? To prove Grace loves to track us down. To prove grace will come after us. Even when we are headed in the wrong direction. Even when we aren't doing what we're supposed to be doing. And I love that. And I thank God for that. Because he's had to come and get me not one time. Not two times. Not three times. He had to come and get me as many times as it took to keep me. Because grace will track us down relentlessly. This is, this is who he is. This is what he's revealing through, this, through his text. And there are many lives that will attest to this.
He's done this for so many people. The proof's in the pudding. See, I'm so glad he doesn't just go for the significant because if that's where he would go to, if that's the people he met with, then I wouldn't be standing here today preaching and teaching and burning, burning for the word of God. I'm so thankful he didn't come for the righteous, but the unrighteous. That he didn't come for the, for the healthy, he came for the sick. See, he, he came for the weak and broken. He came for the lost. He came for the least of these. And the reason I share this with you is because a lot of times, a lot of people remain where they are and remain doing what they are doing because they've never been told about grace tracking them down. See, a lot of people think they have to clean themselves up to come to Jesus. They think they have to stop watching certain things. They have to stop listening to certain things. They have to stop saying certain things. Some people think they have to have it all together. Have it all together, tucked in, looking all good before they can start walking with Jesus. But that's a, that's a lie from dead religion. Because the truth of the matter is this, we're not, we're not good enough to clean ourselves up. We're not strong enough to clean ourselves up. We're not talented enough to clean ourselves up. We're just not good enough. But we don't have to be because Jesus is enough. We just gotta start walking with him. We just gotta start calling on him. And then allow him to show up and clean us up and build us up and strengthen us up. He will come after you. And the proof's in the pudding. It's in the pudding, man. Jesus is on a journey towards Emmaus in the wrong direction. He's headed in the wrong direction. See, scripture says this, he who began a good work in you will see it to completion. Proving to us that our walk with Jesus is more about the journey than the destination. Jesus is walking away from the destination, walking with people who are walking in the wrong direction. But see, Jesus is going on the journey with them, completing them all along the way, just like he's completing us on our journey. Listen to me, if the Christian walk was about the destination, then the moment we got saved, he would have taken us straight to heaven because that is the destination. See, the proof's in the pudding. This is, this is about the journey. It's about the proving and the pruning that takes place along the journey. A righteous man falls seven times. Seven times. Times. He could have used any other number in scripture to say that within the scriptures. But see, seven in the scripture means completion. So a righteous man falls seven times, but every time he's getting back up so that God can complete them. We're on a journey. We're on a walk with Jesus. And he who began the walk with you, he who began the work in you will see it to completion for you. We don't have to have it all together in order to walk with him. We just gotta choose him. The proof's in the pudding. The proof's in the pudding. Jesus, after his resurrection, tracks down these two unknown people, these two insignificant people who are headed in the wrong direction. 
And these two people are having a discussion about all that had just happened. They're talking about what happened on Friday. They had just seen their savior crucified. They just witnessed the death of their king. They, see, they thought Jesus was going to, to deliver them from their oppression, but now he's dead. And this is the topic of their discussion. And I love this because as they are discussing the tragedy, our text says that Jesus draws near to them himself, showing us this, that as we go through hardships in this life, whatever the hardship is, you go ahead and name it, whether it's the divorce, it's the betrayal, it's the lost job, it's the lost loved one, right in the middle of the tragedy, Jesus will draw near himself to us. He's not afraid of our mess. He's not afraid of, of what we're afraid of. Right in the middle of these two people's tragedy, Jesus begins to engage with them. Now, it's funny to me because he wasn't invited by them. Instead, Jesus injects himself right into their conversation so that he can help them through their situation. Almost a little bit like a stalker, just a little bit, just a little bit. Did you know the scripture says this? that he dances over us while we're unaware. <laughs> I'm not sure if we would like if people were staring at us while we were sleeping, but be a little scary, maybe a little creepy. But in reality, this is the beauty of his love towards us. Always coming after us, always holding us, always loving us. I've been in a ton of hard seasons in my life some my own fault, some things I couldn't control. And even in them, them hard and dark times, there's been times when I, when I asked God to leave me alone. Leave me alone. I asked him to, to walk away from me because I wasn't worthy. But can I tell you this? He's never left me. He's, he's held on to me. No matter how far I've tried to run because he knows I need him. He knows we can't do it without him. So he never leaves us, nor forsakes us. Aren't you grateful that the God we serve sees beyond our momentary sufferings, sees beyond what we're going through, sees beyond our knee-jerk reactions, and says, I'm with you. I'm with you. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, I'm with you no matter where you go. Even to the ends of the earth, I'm with you. You can't escape me. This is what grace says to you today. You can't escape him, even if you're walking in the wrong direction. The proof's in the, it's in the pudding, and, and he's doing it for these two people, these two that we read about proving to us. He'll do the same for us. He'll do the same for us. And in verse 16, the Bible says that they were kept, they were kept from recognizing him. They were kept. It doesn't say they didn't, they were kept from recognizing him. I wonder how many times, because of what we are going through, we have been kept from recognizing what God was up to. 
We've not been able to see what God is doing because of what we are going through. The Bible says, if you have ears, hear. If you have eyes, see. Telling us to be careful and to pay attention so that we are not missing what God is doing. And the proof is this, man. They are right in the presence of the resurrected king and were kept from recognizing him because they were focused on all the wrong things. See, we could, we could be right in the midst of the resurrecting power of God, but because we're focused on what's happening around us, God can't get through to us. See, the Bible says this, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the same power that, that rose Christ from the grave lives in us. We just have to recognize it so that we can walk in the power of it. Jesus injects himself right into their conversation, right into their situation. And it's funny because he asked them what, what they were talking about as if he doesn't already know. And they begin telling him and explaining to him. And it's funny because then they start telling him how things should have gone down how things should have happened. Now, I, I want you to think about this for a second. They're standing before the great I am, the one that by his very breath spoke the world into existence, the one that is before all things, in all things, and after all things, because he's the first and the last is he. The one that's holding the universe in the palm of his hands. They begin to tell him how things should be done. Now, I'm not going to go at them very hard because I can sympathize with them. I've done this on so many occasions. I begin to tell the I am how he should, should do things. This is how you should touch the church, God. This is how you should grow the church. This is how you should do things, God. But see, he's the everlasting God. He's the everlasting God. And no man can fathom the depths of his understanding. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. But yet, how many times have we told him how he should do things? God, you, you should have gave me that job. God, you should have gave me that spouse. You, you should have because I would have if, if you would have done it this way, God. We're so quick to tell God how to do things how to do things. And that's what these two people find themselves doing to Jesus. They're telling the invisible God made visible, telling the fully God man how things should have went down. And the reason that they are doing this is because they're judging their journey before it's ending. Listen to me. If you still have breath in your lungs and blood in your veins, God isn't done with you yet. Your journey isn't over. The best is yet to come in Jesus' name. So just don't quit. Just don't stop. And I know it probably doesn't, it probably doesn't look the way you want it to look or you thought it would look. I know you weren't planning to be addicted to the substance or, 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 or addicted to the drink. I, I know you didn't plan on being divorced before the age of 24. I, I, knew, I know that you thought you would be married before you're 37 years old. I know you didn't think you would still be battling with this disease and sickness. I know it probably doesn't look how you thought it should look. But your story hasn't ended yet. It isn't over. 
Don't judge the journey before the ending. Just hold on and keep on walking with Jesus. Because he is everything that he says he is. The proofs in the pudding. See, he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever think, ask, or imagine. According to the power that is at work within you. What he says will come to pass. It's right here. It's, it's in the pudding. He is who he says he will. It's in his word. It's in, it's in worship. It's in the way he talks and in the, in the way he walks. You just got to keep on walking. Just keep on walking, believing that the proof is right here in the pudding. Don't judge your, your journey before the ending because God is still working. He'll never stop working. Come on, declare that in the chat. God is still working. God is still working. These two people are judging their story, the ending of the story before the story has even ended yet. And I'll take it a, a step further. What they thought was the ending was actually just the beginning. Because how many of you know that the cross is just a doorway to resurrection life? What they thought was the ending was just the beginning. This is the type of God we serve. He loves to take with the, the broken things of the world and make it whole. He loves to trade beauty for ashes. He, he loves to take what the world calls trash and turn it into treasure. This is, this is who he is. And perhaps the thing in your life that just ended is the way that God had to make room for a new beginning. So that relationship that just ended, it had to end because God's got someone much better for you. You know how grateful I am that God allowed my old relationships to come to an end so that I could experience the very best and most fulfilling marriage I could ever dream of, could ever ask for. Some things have to end so that God can begin. These two, these two on the road to Emmaus walking with Jesus, didn't know it was Jesus and they thought that they was at the end of their journey. But the Bible says that then Jesus begins to show them proof by interpreting to them all that is in the scriptures concerning him, revealing to them who he is once again. And when they're nearing the end of their walk, not the end of their journey. See, they're arriving at Emmaus with Jesus and Jesus acts like he has to go a little bit further, but they beg for him to stay with them. And they talk him into it, and he does. And look what it says in, in verse 30 through 32. And we're going we're gonna to close with this. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it. And he broke it. And when he had given it to them, when he had blessed the bread and he broke the bread and then he had given it to them, they recognized him. Their eyes were opened. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while, we, while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures. See, when he, when he blessed the bread and when he broke the bread and he gave it to them, 
their eyes recognized them. But what did they see that they hadn't seen before? What, what now caused them to recognize him? When they didn't recognize him, the whole walk. They hadn't seen him on the seven-mile journey. They didn't, they didn't know it was him. It wasn't until after he blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it to them that they recognized him. See, at first I was thinking, well, they were at the Last Supper, and, and Jesus showed then at the Last Supper how you would you would remember him and so maybe but see the bible doesn't say that they were at the last supper these two they're unnamed nobody knows them see i believe that they finally seen him because they seen the scars that were on him they seen the scars that he sustained on the cross they they seen the scars after he broke it and gave it to them and that was the proof they needed to believe it was him. Listen to me. The scars that this life has left upon you can be the proof that we need that Jesus is enough for you. Our disappointments, our hurts, our pains, our loss, even our scars have the ability to reveal to us he is I am. He is I am. See, if we don't if we don't realize the scars that sin has left on our lives, we will never recognize we need the help from a Savior. We'll never recognize we need the Savior if we don't realize the scars of our sin. We're all on this journey. We're all on a journey. And everything we go through can be proof of God's goodness, proof of His grace proof of his strength proof he is everything that we need him to be in the moment that we need him and once we see him once we recognize him we will see and we will say why didn't our hearts burn within us why didn't we call on him sooner and see him sooner because finally we've seen the proofs in the pudding the proofs in the scriptures, the proofs in worship, the proofs, even when we can't see it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. And the proof is in the pudding. Come on, worship team. Never stop. Even when.